Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight I have Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling tonight after the match against Minnesota? I mean, considering we've, you know, after the run of draws that we had, you know, not too long ago, right, this is one of those ones that you you kind of take a step back and, you know, at least that early reaction, obviously we'll, we'll kind of see more, you know, probably see a little bit more when we go back and rewatch some of the, more of the game, right? This was a game that you left, you know, with some positive takeaways, obviously, obviously you're, you don't want to, you know, you're not happy about the goal you give up, especially on a set piece. But, you know, at the same time, you know, in a, in a weird game, you know, set piece goals can always come again, you know, will always seemingly come against the run of play. And so, yeah, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised with some of the things that we saw tonight. And, you know, I think it, it gives us a lot more options moving forward, especially because the offense had seemingly stagnated a bit, you know, prior to Wednesday's game against Houston. Yeah, what I thought was especially interesting tonight is that we didn't trot out the same thing we did um, just this week against Houston. Um, we, you know, Wayne gets another start, but we get Blackman and we get Beta Shore, and we get Tristan uh, and and Wynn still out there. Um, and Palacios makes his debut. Sorry, I'm, I'm like jumbling through these guys right now. So it's a it's a very different lineup than we've seen before, but at the same time, it, but the, you know, we have that same dynamism that we had on Wednesday night. Um, and like you said, the attack just looks so much better where the game uh, isn't getting – completely holed up in the middle of the field. I mean, they still did a great job defending us on those passes through the center backs and in between the center backs and the fullbacks, but it wasn't quite the same thing we saw a couple of weeks ago when we played this team. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that, you know, I think I tweeted it out. I think this is one of, this is the team that I felt most comfortable going up against, a, you know, a counter attacking, you know, deep, you know, deep box team. Right, a team that was going to sit back and counter and those types of things, which we've struggled against, you know, throughout the season. If we've, if there's one thing we have struggled against, it's against that, right? And so the one thing they'll say, you know, and it's similar to Houston, is that with the fullbacks that we played, right, they have the ability to both get forward as well as get back in the transition. I just wasn't expecting the quality that we saw from Palacios, um, you know, right off the bat. You know, I think because we've heard a lot of things and. You know, but I think we've seen that before from other signings, and you know, sometimes we're you know you're you're left with more you know wanting a little bit more. But this was one of those things where he flashed right off the page, you know, immediately. Um, you know, and again, did a lot of positive things both offensively and defensively. And you know, and I think with with more training, with more time, you know, I think this is he's going to be a guy that's going to probably play a key role heading into the playoffs especially considering we play the majority of our games at home, you know, where where opponents are likely going to, you know, play more counterattacking football comparatively, you know, to when you're going to someone else's place. Yeah. Diego Palacios had what might be the best debut uh, of any LFC player I can think of right now. Um, not that there's been a whole lot relative to other teams, but looking back, I don't know. I mean, Diego Rossi comes out in the first goal in the first game and gets a goal, but uh, Palacios is so clean on the ball, uh, very sure tackler, excellent recovery speed, positioning is great, passing is great. Uh, and granted, this is just one game, so here's me overreacting to you know what was it like 75, 80 minutes that he got. Um, 
But now it's your turn to overreact, Josh. True or false, Diego Palacios is our best player on the ball. I mean, you know, obviously I'm pretty sure that probably has got to go to either Vela or Atuesta in terms of the body of work and their ability to control a game. But, I mean, he's pretty damn close, right? In terms, you know, he just in, he just looks clean, right? And and there's, there's a reason why Barcelona wanted him. There's a reason why a number of other Europe, big-time European clubs like Ajax, you know, wanted him as well. And I think you saw some of those things tonight. You know, again, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we're probably not going not gonna to have him for very long should he keep it up, you know. But at the same time, at least we'll, you know, like, We'll see if he's able to contribute this year and, you know, and then hopefully next year as well, um, you know, towards, you know, some deeper, some deeper runs, whether it's in the cup or in the shield race. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously there I'm, I'm being a little bit uh, uh, direct and, and just trying to get, you know, the hot take out of you, but uh, the, I, I don't know. I can't remember seeing anybody again, first time in MLS that looks this good uh, on the ball. In terms of first touch, positioning, uh, and especially his tackling, I—I I mean, there were two or three times where he's chasing a guy back uh, on, you know, recovering and makes a sliding tackle that's completely clean. Make sure to get the, make sure he gets the ball, and then not only wins a sliding challenge, but then also gets up and is able to dribble away with the ball. Um, just really incredible showing from him tonight. Well, so. and especially at a position like left back, right, that across the league is generally pretty weak, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, I think over the, you know all over the world, it's uh, a position that's fairly hard to fill, right? Think yeah. about yeah. how many left backs Manchester City's gone through and spent, you know, probably over $100 million trying to find one left back, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, when you think about the, you know, the scope of things, to be able to find one in, in MLS is pretty special. Right. I mean, there's a yeah. reason why, you know, Jordan Harvey at what 35, right, is is has stuck around the league for as long as he has, you know, um, you know, again because he does he he's able to do something very specific on the spot, you know, that's hard to fill. Look at the national team, right? Like we're still trying to trot out Tim Ream out there, and you know, whoever it may be on that left hand side, and again, you know, to, to be able to find someone like that, um, you know, again, I think ultimately you know bodes well for the team and you know says a lot about our our front office and their ability to evaluate and find talent yeah yeah i mean your point about there not being any left backs i mean you think about what goes into it where you have to be a good defender uh most people want you to be left-footed except i think palacios is right-footed am i right that i'm not sure but i I mean he is yeah, well, but he looks I mean, pretty comfortable looks on the left. Passing with his left foot, but yeah. Um. So you I mean you know they don't want a whole lot of inverted players there. You got to have speed to recover. So the the unique combination of of abilities, uh, is pretty, uh, is pretty rare. And a lot of times you see you know left footers they get put out on the right wing because nobody expects that left footed shot still. Um. But uh, it's. Like you said, it's pretty incredible that LAFC has him. In you know, a lot's been made about how Barcelona was after him, and uh, looks to be a great signing. So uh, we should probably move on from this before we get too deep into this uh, quagmire, uh, because I mean, there's just so much to talk about. He's such a fun player. Um, According to FIFA, he is a left-footed player. 
No, there you go. But again, yeah, this is according to uh, the FIFA FIFA twenty rankings. But what does transfer market say? Aren't they the authority? <laughs> I didn't see it. Oh, it says left foot there too. Okay, well there you go. He's left footed. I'm an idiot. Um, all right. What else, Josh? What else did you see tonight that you that you liked? What'd you make a black minute center back tonight? I mean, his positioning scares me sometimes, right? And and but at the same time, he's also the best player on the team, I think, in terms of making recovery runs. Um, I saw this firsthand when I got to see him start at center back in at in Houston. He just has a knack for knowing when to get across the face of goal and and shut things down. Now, in I think one one or two times in the second half, right, it got us into a little bit of trouble because he does it and then it leaves us exposed, you know, and to a certain degree, I think you have to, you, at, to a certain point, you have to trust your guy to be able to make a play, right? But Eddie Segura has, has had some problems dealing with target strikers and bringing that ball down. And so, again, I think his his runs to behind, the you know, making running in behind, shutting down anything that comes, you know, that, that comes off of that is is key, but you also have to have a guy like Beta Shore that re- realizes that and then is able to play more centrally, you know, to uh, to counteract that. So, you know, obviously, I think those are things that are that are important going forward in terms of you know how they play uh, going from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I do want to see him on, out on the right. You and I spoke a little bit before the uh, before the show started about. What are we going to do in the coming weeks with our with our fullback situation where all of a sudden what we thought was a deep position looks even deeper and it looks to be a major uh, breath of fresh air and something that's really increased the viability of, of this team um, where, you know, as soon as we got Beta Shore and Harvey off the field for a little bit and just added a couple more attack-minded players – with better recovery speed, everything changed for us. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Bob goes with Blackman again. I think he might pair, you know, a veteran with one of the younger fullbacks. I know we got some questions about this too, so we can get into that later. But I think what you might see is, you know, either Beta and Palacios or either Beta and El Munir or Harvey and Blackman on the other side. Um, just to, you know, keep a security blanket that back there as a veteran presence and, in crunch time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said about, you know, a guy like Steven Bader is the only guy on the team who's really been there and done that before, right? And especially what we've seen from these, this team in some of the bigger moments, and obviously, I think Walker's point, you know, was, you know, was made a big statement saying, you know, like they felt like that monkey was finally off their back and, you know, in um, after the winning the shield on Wednesday, and so it is one of those situations where you have to think that they're going to need a little bit of that veteran presence to a certain degree, um, you know, especially as you head into some of these these teams, playing in some of these teams that are going to even bunker even deeper or just me, you know, like, you know, based on the way the standings are, right? You know, Galaxy give up a late goal to Vancouver tonight, and then now they're sitting in fifth place. So now that second round matchup, should they make it past RSL? you know, would be them coming to the Bank of California. So, you know, you have to think about those types of moments. Are are they those guys ready to play in that game right away? Obviously, you really don't know until they actually do it, 
right? But at the same time, I think it does help to have a guy in there, whether it be Harvey or Betashore, in with some of the younger guys to make sure that you have that calming presence on the team and something from a psychological perspective at minimum. Yeah, I definitely agree that um, we'll have to, you know, the jury's still out on some of these young guys and whether or not they can do it in crunch time. I will say in what was kind of like a must-win game on Wednesday against the Dynamo. Performs well. El Munir's out there performing well. So we that's a, that's a pairing we may end up seeing it again. I don't know. But Josh, I kind of feel like we're bearing the lead here. Uh, let's talk about Carlos Vela and his 31st goal. I mean, it's, what is that? Watch the throne, Joseph Martinez. Right. So, you know, at this, I think there was a question that I got put out there, you know, talking about, you know, we'll get to it probably a little bit later, talking about the, the team kind of trying to walk in. And I think the one play that you pointed that really stood out was, you know, um, Rossi trying to feed Vela on, you know, and then ended up missing, or I think he, one of the defenders gets in between. And that's definitely a goal, in my opinion, or an opportunity in that opinion, in my opinion, that they're trying to feed Mela to get to that 31, right? And so I think to a certain degree over the last few games, they've been probably trying a little bit too hard to get the ball to him. You know, again, the question I suppose is, is it because he's just the best player in the team and you, you should probably run the offense through him? Or have they been pushing a little bit, knowing that the you know knowing that the shield is essentially and had been in tow, you know, for the most part, knowing that you know you could, um, you know, knowing that there's not a whole lot more left to play for other than some of the record things, you know, how, have they been straining a little bit to try and feed him, um, you know, and so you know beyond that, right? It's just an amazing feat, you know, to get I think it's what 31 goals and 15 assists this season. Um, you know, it's, you know, blown away Giovinco's record for combined goals and assists. And obviously, you know, I didn't think that anyone assumed that Vela would get even close to what we've seen from him from a scoring perspective. And he's definitely really carried the load, um, you know, given that our strikers, um, or, you know, have been a little bit toothless this year at times, you know, what, you know, or at least just inconsistent at, at minimum. And so, obviously, it's, you know, again, yet another, you know, bright mark on a great season, um, you know, for him to kind of solidify his place as the MVP, especially with Zlatan hot on his tail, who I think is at 29 now. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. so it says something about him to be able to continue to keep this pace up, um, continue to score goals. And, you know, you would think at this point that people would try and keep that ball off his left foot. But, you know, there's yeah, only a few I don't know what, what you could have done on that. I mean... Maybe the center back comes over and helps faster. I, I, I don't know. Their defense is a little dis- disorganized. Raito gets out on the break there. Um, and then he goes down, I think. And I think that causes the defense to kind of sit back on their heels just a little bit. Rossi finds the ball, plays it into Vela, and he's one-on-one with a, you know, with a, with a left back. So Yeah, and he really bit. only needs a yard – Right, a yard of space to get that shot off, right? Yeah, I don't you know, even and, think he has that much space. Uh, I mean, he's certainly got a couple yards in front of him, but, uh, I mean, most of the angles are taken away. Manone's quite, you know, quite a ways out of goal, take, trying to take away that far post, and he still bends it around him. It's pretty incredible. So, um, yeah, it's amazing to me that he has both destroyed Giovinco's uh total goals record i think he's just one away from 
besting it by 10, right? Giovinco was at 37, I think. And Carlos Vela is now at 46. Um, and you have to imagine they're going to be trying to feed him again next week, which is totally, I mean, that's fine. It's against Colorado. You have the shield. You have the top seed in the playoffs. Uh, what I mean, what else are you playing for next week other than records? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, obviously, whether it's the point, you know, the points record, obviously, I think is the one thing as a team that you probably want to get, yeah. you know, yeah. but, you know, beyond that, right, you, you still probably, you know, want to try and feed him. But, you know, I think to a certain degree, you you still need to try and get probably get back to get back to business, get back to, you know, what what's got you this far. And what's actually probably got him the majority of his goals this season was just playing good football, right? Playing, yeah. passing, moving, doing all those different things as opposed to, again, reverting to a little bit more of, okay, let's just, you know, it's it's that hero ball, right? It's the Kobe right. Bryant effect where, you know, you kind of feed your best guy and everyone stands in the corner, um, which I think Rayuto is playing a little bit like that to a certain degree, where he's yeah, just definitely. kind of pressing to kind of get hit, you know, to just get things going probably a little bit too much, you know, but you know, you, you appreciate the, the effort and some of those different things that he brings. But, you know, obviously I think some time where they can get into training and those types of things is going to help, you know, can only help those front three um, in terms of development chemistry. I think it's just about playing more together. You know, again, this is what only the second game where all three have featured, right? In the same lineup. Um, at or least third. started. Yeah. At least started. Yeah, so might, I mean, it might like be the second time that they've played together, I'm, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so I mean, again, it's still not a lot of time to really, you know, get them into the swing of things, you know, because you can see sometimes things just come off even better when you have Latif playing up atop, right? right? With with right. Rossi and Vela, and so again, it it's one of those things where obviously you want to make sure that everyone stays safe, even though stays healthy and those types of things, you know. But at the same time, I think, you know, in the at the end of the day, you'll probably start to see. You know, um, you know th- this things really start to click. You know, over the next few games, at least you hope so, right? I think you had you had sent me a message about how um, during the game about how it just doesn't. Rossi and and Raito, Raito just seem a bit out of sync. You know, in terms of how their ability to play make, and so you have to wonder now: do they do they move? You know. Rossi more central, and then Vela becomes that primary playmaker on that right-hand side now that he's already tied the goals record. And so I think you'll probably see a little bit more of that as opposed to, again, having Vela featuring more as a you know target target striker and so on and so forth, um, you know, chasing that record at this point. Yeah, yeah. I do hope we can figure out something to do in the playoffs with Frieza Vela a little bit more. Uh, and maybe that's just time again for the three of them playing together. Um, I kind of feel like he's too easy to contain in between two center backs and what seems to always be a defensive midfielder um, where we're always trying to play balls into his feet, but uh, those plays just aren't developing fast enough. And full ba- you know, a fullback's crashing, another midfielder's crashing. Before you know, there's five guys on top of him and he can't turn the ball and shoot. Um so I, I would like to see him move out to the right wing if possible, but I mean it just becomes a a matter of uh, not having the right personnel at this point. So we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think there's something to be said about you know again. I think you saw him do move out to the right at times, right tonight. You know, and so I think mm-hmm. you're starting to see elements of that rotation start to come in with you know either with Rossi dropping deeper, and then you know when Rossi drops into the midfield. 
to pick up the ball. Then you see Vela just sprint out to the right hand immediately or that kind of thing. So I think you're starting to see a little bit of, you know, what we had hoped to, hoped for in terms of that fully rotating front three, you know, but obviously I think it's going to still take time for it to completely vet, you know, you know, and really settle in, um, you know, and again, you still have another game to do it, you know, and especially, and then as well as with those, with the fullbacks, I think you're going to start to see more of that as well too, in terms of the overlap and, you know, just starting to, again, get back to basic, get back to the little things that again, drove you to this point in the season. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about Pablo Cisniega after tonight? Um, from shot stopping perspective, I mean, he's, you know, like phenomenal, right? At least, for, you know, for them, at least at the MLS level, distribution at times was not ideal, right? Like a lot of times, you know, when he's trying to play from the back, you know, he, he tends to just kind of lump it downfield a couple of times. You know, it's not really the, I'm going to play out, play that ball out to the wing, you know, out to the out to the fullback or into the midfielders or that kind of thing. It was more when that ball gets played back to him, he's really just looking to dump it. And then there was that one time when he did try to play into the middle and then he gave it up for an opportunity. So, yeah, you know, again, I think, I think on that one, I'm, I'm going to come to his defense a little bit. I thought he slipped hmm. on, on the pitch. I, it was off a goal kick. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, the pitch was like terrible. So foot slips, um, and I think he's trying to hit Atuesta. He slips and then he, he, you know, slices it wide or something like that. But that's what I saw. I don't know. Maybe on the rewatch, it'll come up differently. But yeah, I, I mean, the I pitch was terrible, so I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah. Oh, just atrocious. I mean, they, it, when Ike Opara went down and his leg got caught on the turf like that and he made that giant divot, I thought to myself, they may have just, uh, Ruin their own season. Yeah, I mean they. they I was getting, the only word that comes to my that comes to mind is they almost hamstrung themselves. But I'm trying to avoid that that pun yeah. <laughs> uh, because I I was like the way he's rolling around on the ground. I mean, granted, you know, soccer players and all the stereotypes about them, um, but it just didn't see. It seemed much more serious than it ultimately ended up being. Um, and then El Munir goes down. The turf monster gets him when he's in on goal. Uh, just just incredibly bad surface. Yeah, I mean, between there and New York, and right in terms of like oh. the the deck, you know, like I've played some pretty bad public golf courses, you know, here in Southern California, <laughs> especially you know in the San Bernardino area, you know, like because it's yeah. twelve dollars on a Thursday afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know that that's the only other place that you see as many divots as you did out my field. Right. It's just, it was just rough. Right. And so, you know, obviously like they're, they are going to be coming back home and don't really have to worry about that for the, you know, again, that was the last road game and last road trip of the year. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to this, to that point now, you really just get to get settled in. You get to go home and sleep in your bed and you're not really worried about making flights and all those different things. So I think that'll, it's definitely an added benefit of, you know, obviously winning the shield and, you know, that they're going to have moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Cisniega is he bailed us out on a handful of opportunities where, kind of like you alluded to earlier, Segura gets beat by the target striker, or you know, and Blackman isn't able to recover in time to help him out. Um, has an amazing kick save on I think Rodriguez, you know, out near the top of the box, comes in and picks up a couple balls, is able to keep it in the box while he's sliding. Uh, so I thought he had a great night. 
um, despite being into put into some compromising positions. Uh, anything else before we get into some questions? We got quite a few tonight, so thanks, everybody. Uh, I think we can kind of drive most of our conversation from there. Yeah, let's jump right into it. All right. Um, let's see here. Try and get them in, a, in an order that makes sense. Uh, let's go to at LAFC Benjamin. Why do LAFC struggle with set pieces so much, offensively and defensively? Do you think Bob will stick with Harvey in the playoffs, even with stellar performances from El Munir and Palacios? Um, I think in, in terms of the Harvey, I think it's going to just largely be situational. You know, obviously you're going to look at matchups and and how that works out depending on who you're playing, and, and I think that's where where you're going to see that decision be made. But I definitely think that it's at the end of the day, it you're going to probably see one of the two, either Harvey or Beta, in um, with probably one of the young guys. You know, and mm-hmm. so you know, I think Bob's all about. You know, the starting lineup is largely derived by who looks good in training. And so if those guys step up in training, you'll probably see them play. And so it just depends. And I think I think we have all known the quality that you know, that you know, both Munir and and uh Palacios possess. But at the same time again, when it comes down to being a professional athlete and those types of things bringing on a regular basis matters. Right. And it's like it's one of those things where you know, especially when you're dealing with a with a coach like Bob, just trying to show up on game day is not going to fly, right? Unless yeah, right. unless you're Carlos Vela or whatever it may be, and you haven't, you know. But even then, I think Bob probably holds probably holds Carlos to the highest standard of all the guys on the team. And so, you know, I think that's the one thing consistent you've seen from, you know, from various people um, that you know are they related to the club. You know, it really just comes down to effort and what it looks like in training and who looks the best in terms of who ultimately gets to start. Yeah. Uh, to your uh, set piece question, Benjamin, I think tonight giving up the goal in that set piece is largely a ro- is largely a rotation thing, where you have um, Tristan Blackman playing center back, uh, Diego Palacios. I know, yeah, he's taken some heat for this for keeping uh, Boxall on side. I don't know that. It's entirely his fault. I think one of the other players or two of the other players are keeping him on side. It's just a really well-timed run. I think the more damning thing is the fact that, again, in the zone marking scheme, you have to go win the ball, right? This is what this is like the talking point that we always hear. Uh, and somehow they play a ball right behind the back line, and that's it. That's the end of the story. So I don't know if that's on Cisniega. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the coaching point is there on those on those in swinging balls like that. Yeah. I mean, I think again, I, set pieces are things that even the best teams of the world are going to get caught on. Right. I mean, it's, it's why the English national team specifically works on that for the majority yeah. of their practices is because again, it's hard, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get teams together that are kind of, you know, that are coming together last minute and a team like this, where you haven't played together, you know, this team, this team as a whole, you've never, you haven't really seen this 11, together at all right you're going to have a little bit of disorganization and some of those different things that you are going to get caught every now and then so again i you know i think if it was one of those things where it was purely you know a you know if this was a a thing that we've that's been hurting them all season long and then cost us games and those types of things right i think we you know or if or if it was really reflected in the record it's a whole nother thing, but you know, to a certain degree, I think, you know, obviously we want to make sure, you know, we're being, we're probably 
overanalyzing things when it comes when it gets to that point in terms of just being like, oh, this is the one thing, this is the formula, those type of things, you know. But again, if it's a formula, it's one that only works what less than ten percent of the time because again, we've won a f- fair amount of games and on a record-setting pace so far. Yeah, yeah. I know we've talked a little bit about our offensive set pieces and the need to be able to really punish teams for just fouling us all the time. Um, and I mean, just this week we had Edward Atuesta score. Uh, Carlos Vela hits one off the post uh, on a free kick. I think uh, I think corner kicks are probably a, a greater concern for us, but we just we don't have you know an aerial threat, uh, especially with I guess it may be Diomande, but I've never really seen him as a as an aerial striker. Uh, Zimmerman wasn't in the game today. I know Blackman scored on a corner kick before um, off his head, but I think he might be the only one really in the starting lineup that scored a header like that on a corner. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's obviously I, a I you know problem they're going to have to look at and come up with a creative solution, you know, to make their corners more effective. Because um, you know, without you know, like you were saying, without Walker, without uh, being in in the lineup. He's really been the only true aerial threat, and it really hasn't come off all that well. Dio's another one where you've seen occasionally at times, you know, like you know, at least at the back post, but definitely not in the sense of that, you know, traditional, you know, big center back that's going to come up and hand a ball in. And so, you know, I know they've tried different things, whether it's a short corner, which none of us are really a huge fan of, um, you know. But again, I think you probably will start to see, you know, you can. I don't know if they go to an outswinging ball, something like that. Again, it, it really just depends on, on the situation, who you're coming up against. You know, obviously, Minnesota is one of those teams that, you know, feature a couple of the best center backs in the world, especially Ariel, you know, and, you mm-hmm. know, Eichel Parra and Boxall is pretty good himself. And so, you know, obviously, I think that's going to be something that they'll they'll look at, you know, but I think it largely is one of those things where it, Again, from a from a personal standpoint, I'm not sure that there's going to be an answer, given again that this team is better on the ground than it is in the air, you know, at minimum. Yeah. So to wrap all that up in a bow, Ben, <laughs> uh, I think uh, we struggle on set pieces because of a lack of a of an aerial ball winner, um, and because sometimes we just switch off on on our marking scheme, uh, and then. For me, you start Palacios, um, and that's just you just roll the dice with him, see what happens. Uh, and I think Josh, you said start Harvey with maybe Blackman on the other side. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you start Harvey, then I think Blackman plays the other side. If you start Palacios, then I think he plays with Beta, like you saw this evening. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, at 55, Sullivan plays three big records still on tap for next Sunday. Yes. So to recap them, we have Vela going for uh, his 32nd goal, which would be the season uh, goals record. We have, I think, the also the team goals, right? Yeah, I think it was 85, eight, I think, was the Galaxy. 85 is, is it, I think. And then the last one would be the points record. Are, are we missing any other goals? I think we lost out on the wins record. Uh, that I'm not sure. But I think that's pretty much it. I think twenty wins. I can't remember if we have eighteen or nineteen wins, but I think twenty wins is the is the record for that. Um, so it's definitely still all doable. Now I will say that uh, if 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic decides to show up next week and play. Uh, you know, anytime he gets on the field against MLS teams, he could go for a hat trick. So I would like to see Vela score at least one to get some insurance. Uh, he's currently two ahead of him for the golden boot and uh, and the record. So anything else on that, Josh? No. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's just one of those things where you'll start to see it play out as it as you know as obviously things go on. And I think again, time time and practice will help them try and figure out some of those things out. Because I think you know you've seen some new things like Rodriguez taking a couple, you know, taking taking some of the corners and some of those things, so that may free up Vela and some of those things as well. Now, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? Now that you say that. We did have one, at least one good chance. I think it was against Houston on a short corner where, was it Rossi? No, Rodriguez plays the ball into Rossi on a short corner. Rossi turns and, and rolls it ahead, uh, kind of like you see on free kicks sometimes, and that's when Rodriguez comes around and puts in a right-footed shot on from the left side. Um, so maybe you see some of that stuff. I don't know. Uh, no mistakes, just happy accidents, tweets us. Yes. We looked really good overall. And again, I tend to agree. I mean, I think you're playing Blackman out of position, but he looks pretty good there, all things considered. Uh, Palacios has a good showing. You know, all the same stuff we've been talking about. Uh, next question here. Turned into quite the thread, but it comes from our good friends, LAFC Kansas Midwestern supporters. Why do you think we got that goalie rotation? Also, why are they trying to force a walk-in goal all the time. Yes, we saw a few shots, but they were shots when most of the time weren't open. And when they did have the open shots, they didn't take them. Yeah, I mean, I think the big one was the Rossi, the Rossi, um, you know, where he, he tries to lay it off for Vela. But again, I think in that in that moment, you're probably just trying to feed Vela to get the record. Um, mm-hmm. And so that I think that, that plays into it, especially as of late and where Vela's been positioned, right? Um you know, last week was one of those situations where, you know, they took what I think they took the majority of their shots were outside of the box. So I think a little bit of that was answered, but I think it just depends on who you're playing against. Again, with with guys like Akopara playing center back, shooting shots from outside the box, I'm not sure is ideal, right? Because they're just pretty big and they get in the way. Versus again trying to get those guys to move out the way and play good through passes and those type of thing. And the, again, again, the statistically, it just makes more sense to play that way. Um, you know, at least from my perspective. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, you know, the walk it in is, you know, is definitely, you know, more. You know, the percentage of you scoring is definitely higher than taking a shot that you, you know, that now the percentage starts to drop depending on how you hit it, depending on the field that definitely could have had them to do with it. Given the way that the field was playing, are you confident that you're going to strike it cleanly or are you going to leave, you know, a giant chunk of dirt taking, are you going to take out a giant chunk of dirt? Right. So that's, right. that's a question right. I think that they have to ask ourselves even in that sense as well. Yeah. You know what I just thought of Josh? Hmm. When you said Rossi probably should have just taken that goal for himself instead of trying to feed Vela, Carlos Vela could have had the record already. That's true. The Zelaya one. Give up the gold to the Zelaya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I that was an awesome moment for me though. So I mean, no regrets there. But uh, when you said that, it just like popped in my mind that oh yeah, he kind of gave one up there. But anyway, all right. At the LA Wanderer, our boy, early season mid form or early season midfield form, and we take everything in front of us. Sisniga gunning for that playoff starting spot. 
I really like this midfield, Josh. Um, I thought at times K looked a bit shaky and taking, you know, it looks like he's still taking one too many touches before he's passing the ball away. But I, I really think Lee adding Lee Wynn into the mix here is, has helped out a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know you saw there's there's probably a physical limit with Lee, which is probably why he came off when he did. Yeah, you know, at that point in the game, and also if you think at that point because the game is more open, Minnesota's chasing the points, you know, because they want to finish in second and so on and so forth. You know that since they're, they are going to play more open, then that's the perfect game for blessing, right? When yeah, you know, but absolutely. trying to be incisive and do those different things against a, like a deeper block team, you know, is not ideal for him. And so I think that you know, I, I said this was. This to me was my favorite lineup to play against a team that was going to be really compact defensively, you know, and you could see that quality come off, you know, for and for as many touches as we think that, you know, or for I mean, extra touches that we think that, you know, that a Mark Anthony K takes, that's still one less than one than Latif would take, right? And so, mm-hmm. in terms of just the flow of the offense and those types of things, again, against a more compact defense, again, this I think this was, this is the ideal lineup, right? And so, at least for now. You know, the, you know, Latif being as young as he is, will still has that time to develop. You know, to hopefully develop into, you know, a more consistent offensive thread and passer and that sort of thing. But as of right now, like I said, I, there, it it helps when you only have one person taking extra touches as opposed to two, right? Yeah. In the midfield, right. and so now when it, you know, if it's just K, you're okay with it, right? Especially because again, from a, you know, recovery wise, he's still so physically dominant that. You know he can he can, you know, recover from that or, you know, to that point, right? He so physically dumped and then he takes those touches and just throws people off of him, mm-hmm. right? So you'll see that as well, and so I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, man. Finish. No, I, I just think that from that perspective, I think you you know that's that's probably the a midfield that you're gonna want to see in the playoffs, especially against some of these teams that are going to you know sit back a little bit more and play that counterattacking. Yeah, I I do agree with you. I think in in a lot of ways, Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony K have kind of the same attacking mindset where they get on the ball and they're looking to shuttle it forward and then play a pass in. And like you said, oftentimes they're taking one too many touches. Maybe K is one too many and Latif is two too many. Um, so I think having Lee Wynn, who's a little bit more willing to play an early ball out to the wing, rather than try and get into the attacking third and then send it out outside. Uh, I think that really helps to open things up a little bit more. Um, and then to his point about uh, Sisney getting for that playoff starting spot, I mean, again, we talked about this. He looked great. Uh, distribution could have been better. Uh, to me, it just looks, you know, he looks a little rushed and like he doesn't quite trust everything he's seeing. So he's more liable to just ping the ball long and, hope for somebody to win a second ball um i think we got one more here and it's more of a general question so uh anything else on this game before we move away into this last question josh no yeah i think like i said as well again there's a lot of positives to take and i i kind of just want to see more right because i think the more we start to see some of these yep. guys play it'll it'll probably it'll probably you know you'll start to see some of the things that i think that they the team wants to do long term start to come off yeah absolutely uh, so this one is from Mike Beats. Finally got his name right. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the six uh, for the assist, Mike. Uh, he says more of a general question. Recommendations for learning about tactics, books, YouTube channels. Thanks. 
Josh, where do you go to study up on the game? One of the ones I really like is TIFO football. I think it's actually owned by the athletic now or is part of the athletic. And so, um, yeah, on YouTube, it's good. they go over a lot of tactics worldwide, different things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally we'll touch on MLS. I think they talked about Tata and Atlanta last year a little bit. Hopefully we'll start to see a little bit of MLS content coming from there um, because the Athletic has been a pretty big supporter of MLS thus far. Um, Book-wise, one of the one, a couple of them was like Inverting the Pyramid, uh, which is just a huge book of tactics. And then the other one is Into the Mixer, which is just over Premier League tactics. So just mm-hmm. kind of deep diving into some of those things. Um from a coaching perspective, there's a couple of ones. There's the Pep Guard. Any of the Pep Guardiola books are pretty good. And then there's another one um, that is like the autobiography of Johan Cruyff, which is really awesome. So those would be my yeah. ones to start with. Yeah, you hit a couple of them that, that I would have gone for with Tifo and all that. Uh, the other one that I want to throw out, this is more of a – I use it mo- mostly as a coach, uh, which got me in a little trouble this week on Twitter, but – I don't care. I got the microphone. Uh, <laughs> uh, I listen to the three four three podcast. I, I I'm a subscriber to uh, all their content. Their what they call their premium content, and it's not so much tactical. It's more uh, from a training standpoint. Most of that stuff's from a training standpoint. You know, as you train players, uh, but that's really helped me to understand the game a lot better. Uh, one of the things that I do honestly is I go and I watch training from any team I can. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went down to uh, the Barcelona Academy here in Arizona, just south of Phoenix, and watched them train for a couple hours. That's one of my favorite things to do. And, you know, oftentimes the coaches are pretty cool. You can you can get to talk to them and everything and pick their brains on what they've learned. The cool thing about the Barca guys is they're all Barca-trained coaches, so they've all, you know, spent time in Spain um, learning from – the best in the world so uh it's honestly for me more of a network thing i think but i hope that answers your question mike uh josh anything else we've left out tonight or do no you, think we're good? you know obviously like there's probably a few things more to dig into from a tactical perspective but you know the second watch we'll start to probably see some yeah, of those yeah. things come out um but beyond that like i said i'm just excited for the rest of the season and obviously the playoffs upcoming mm-hmm yeah, I should say, uh, look for the follow-up to this episode. Uh, uh, we didn't get out a, an in-depth analysis on the Houston game. I'm sorry, that would have been a fun one, especially since we got to the Supporter Shield. I got called in for a, a trauma surgery on Friday night and was it, uh, had to work instead of record, so that one's on me. And to um, be and to be fair, it was not Danilo Silva's surgery that he no, sat in no, on. It was not. Um, for an analysis of that, you can check that out on Angels on Parade. That should be coming out tomorrow. Oh, shameless, Josh. Shameless. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, we should be getting one of those out probably Tuesday or I guess Wednesday morning. It'll probably come out uh, and get you all prepared for the final match of the season and the the bye week to follow. So, Josh, where can we find your stuff again? LEFC Josh on Twitter. And then, again, my injury analysis um, usually comes out of Angels on Parade. All right. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, or you can email us at thecounterpressshow at gmail.com. For tonight, that's all we got, and we will talk to you in a few days.